Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we praise you today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Amen, amen. Sometimes God speaks to his servants and he has a word for us. And sometimes he speaks to, to people that they're able to give us a word that he has given to them to, to sometimes just like prod, prod us a little bit, a word of knowledge to, to say, hey, listen, guys, I got something for you. Or he's speaking to the church. And so sometimes God does that. And he, he, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so thank you, God, today for speaking to us. Today I want to talk to you about blind spot. Blind spot. Blind spot. You, you, I, and I, I, I originally was going to get the, 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 you know, the car review mirror. And uh, you know how we, you get that? Because there's always blind spots in cars, right? You know, but but I, wanted, I wanted something more mystique and something bigger than that. You know, because you ever heard you can't see the forest for the trees? Okay, I, so that's what, that's what I want to talk some, some, Sometimes there's bigger things than that. You know, and um, before I forget, praise God, did everybody get to see on Facebook or at least look outside this door in the back of the church? We got a food truck out there that someone gave us. What in the world going to do with that? I don't know yet. We're seeking God. Leadership and I are seeking God and praying. I don't know if we end up having a food truck ministry or, or if we'll just rip it out and we'll hand out sandwiches and coffee to the homeless. Or maybe, I don't know, we'll rip it all out. If nothing else, we may have a 20 by 8 storage unit. And the Lord knows we need that. You know, we've already had some, we even have some possibilities Some people are offering to buy it from us and it would go to our building fund. So, hey, I don't know. Whatever God wants is fine. We're just going to be, be sensitive to him and I don't want that to be a blind spot and us miss what God wants. And so, um, I want to read the, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 51 in the New Living, New Living Translation. It's a simple, it's just part of a scripture. It's, it's actually blind Bartimaeus. You know, blind Bartimaeus was, was yelling out, yelling out to, uh, to see God. Jesus was coming by and he said, you know, he says, you know, uh, son of David, have mercy on me, Jesus. And he called his name out and Jesus came over there and, and, and asked him this, Mark chapter 10, verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Okay, now right there, that's a whole nother message, just that one little sentence. Because a lot of times we know, we know that God knows what we want, right? He's God. But sometimes he wants us to tell him what we need from him. Okay? So sometimes you need to speak that out. So what do you want from me, Jesus said, my rabbi? And he, he answered, my rabbi, the blind man. What do you want, Jesus asked, my rabbi? The blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. So I want us today just to pray and ask God to help us to see. 
to see our blind spots, that God will reveal to us what our blind spots are. And you're like, I don't really understand what you're talking about, blind spots. Well, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about it. So let's just pray and ask God. And I want every one of you during this prayer just to say, God, help me to see what I don't see. Father, today, in the name of Jesus, for me, starting from the pulpit, God, to the pew, Father, Lord, I just, I, I just ask that you help us see. Lord, as a blind man did, I know I'm blind in areas of my life, Father, Lord, and I pray that you reveal them to me. Put people in my life that, that, that are close to me that can reveal to me, Father, blind spots that I don't see, Father, Lord, that, that could be detrimental to me, and even those blind spots that could be good, Father. Lord, I lift them up to you right now, God, and I just pray that you help me see, that you help those in this room and on Facebook Live see, God, that you help our church see. God, so we will know what you're trying to do. Thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, first off, a blind spot is an area around a car or a truck that the driver cannot see. An area in which a rearview mirror cannot reach. It's called a blind spot. You ever drive your car and you and you're like you look in the rearview mirror, there's nothing there, and you start to go over, and either you're like bam, or you're like, oh my gosh, and you can't come back because there's a blind, there's a place in your car that you can't see. Now, my car is kind of cool because it's got the rearview mirror, but then it's got this little tiny other mirror here on the side that helps you with your blind spots, okay? So it helps you see an extra, an extra eye, as you would maybe think about. Number two, um, a blind spot is a small area in the back of the eye that is not sensitive to light. Our peripheral vision becomes limited because of the way our eyes created, thus preventing us from seeing um, a certain area. If you get a piece of paper about this big, you put an X right here and an X right here. And you look at this X on this side and you move it really slowly back. There will come a point to where the X on the other side is gone. I did this last night. I was like, what? No, there's no way. Just, just this far away, I'm going to see it. But if you stare at this X, and then if you stare at this X, this side will be gone. It's kind of weird. So it's a blind spot. We all have it. Everybody here has a blind spot in your eye. So anyway, and then finally... It's the tendency to ignore something, especially because it's difficult or unpleasant, that becomes a blind spot to us. And I'm hopefully today we'll be able to see these blind spots. And, and there's good blind spots and blad, bad, blad, blad, bad blind spots. You know, I'm going to today talk really about the negative side of it, but there are good blind spots. There's, you know, has anybody ever looked at you and said, hey, you've got potential? And you're like, no, I don't. You know, have you ever seen somebody that had potential but they didn't use it? It was a blind spot to them. That's a good thing that they're not looking at. There's potential in their life that they don't see. You know, maybe a talent. You ever, how about somebody that you've heard sing and you're like, man, you can really sing. And they're like, well, no, I can't sing at all. And they don't realize it's a blind spot for them. Or maybe, maybe friends, which friends could be a good or a bad situation. You may have friends in your life that you have a blind spot that you don't realize are not good for you. And then also you have friends in your life that are good for you that you may not even know. You ever met somebody that you didn't think that y'all would match up, that they were, you were kind of opposites, and you became friends, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is such, you're such a good friend to me. And <clears throat> so, so you know, it works both ways. My, my friend Jay Daughtry, when we were teenagers, man, we, he, he's, he's like, so amazing. He's so smart. He works for like Apple and his computer guru and his daddy was a nuclear engineer, you know. It was kind of like um what was it the the uh the odd couple, you know. You know, uh, you know because they were we were so opposite, but we were BFFs, man, and it was so funny how we had intellectually so much different, but we had so much in common and were able to be together. And you know, and it was, you know, for a while it was a, it was a blind spot. But um, then you have this thing called the Johari window, 
which is two, two psychologists that got, to get, um, got together and, and showed this, um, this, this uh, uh, Johari window. Okay, now this right here helps you understand some things. An open problem is something that is known to others and it's known to you. In other words, open. Everybody knows your issues. Everybody knows what's going on, right? And then you have the hidden one. And that's known to you, but nobody else knows about it. And then you have unknown. That's where there's something that you don't see it and nobody else sees it. It's something in your life that's going on that you don't see and they don't see. But then the blind spot is something that you don't see but others see. So that thing that you don't see, trust me, there's people in your life that it's big, bright, and bold. Huh? You ever met somebody that, that they said, oh, I'm not negative. No, I'm not full of drama. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not rude. You know, hey, I'm not this. You know, and, and you're like, dear God, everybody else sees it but you. You know, that's what this is talking about. Everybody else sees it. And, you know, that's why it's so important to have people in your life that you can look at and say, I love you and I know you love me. This is something that we need to do. And say, can you talk to me about my blind spots? What do you see in my life that you feel like that I'm not looking, I'm not seeing? That is so hard to do. And it's even harder to tell somebody because they're like, ah, you're going to hate me after I tell you this. You know, especially the, the, the deeper the relationship is. Um, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were on a camping trip. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. And um, after a good meal, they laid down and went to sleep. <clears throat> Some hours later, Holmes woke up and nudged Watson and, and said, uh, I've got a question for you. I want you to look up, at, look up and tell me what you see. And Watson replied, I see millions and millions of stars. What, and he, and uh, Sherlock said, what does that tell you? Wander, um, Watson pondered a, mi a minute and said, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potential billions of planets. Astrologic um, astrologically, it, um, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, I um, sub suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. Well, what does it tell you, Holmes said? Watson, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> so he looked up and didn't realize the tent was gone. He was, he was you know, they, they had a tent to start off with. Somebody stole their tent. And he's looking, he sees all this stuff, but he doesn't see what's in front of his face. And see, that's what happens to us in a spiritual sense sometimes. We see things, but we don't see what's right in front of us. We don't realize the enemy, the enemy that's right there trying to kill, steal, and destroy. How many times have you told your children something, and, and they say, oh, no, Dad or Mom, I don't know, I, I don't believe that. And you're like, you don't see it, but I see it because we, we, you know, we're parents, and God gives us that gift to see, and so we see that stuff. So then, so then a father and a son were in a bad car accident, and the father died at the scene. And they, they rushed the son to the hospital, and when they got to the hospital, the surgeon looked at the son and said, I cannot operate on this boy because he's my son. Is that, is that weird to anybody? Okay, if it's weird to you, it's because you, you assumed and you stereoty stereotyped that the surgeon was a man. 
but the surgeon was a woman. See, when I first read it, I was like, what? You know, you know and so, so that's, that happens in our life, and we do that. We stereotype. We look at stuff. We look at things different ways, and, and, you know, and, and we don't see things that we should see. That's why racism is so bad. People do things, and they say things, and they don't even really see what they're saying. They don't realize how bad it is and how it affects others and, 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 and those kind of things in our life that when we talk about people, we don't realize when we say things that, there, that there's a blind spot and we're not really seeing the depth and the hurt that it can cause other people. I want to read quite a long scripture here to you, but I want to just kind of talk. It really talks about this wonderful. And it is um, actually from uh, John chapter 9, verse 6 through 41. Then he spit on the ground. Talking about Jesus spit on the ground. He made mud with saliva and spread mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash in the pool of Shalom. Shalom means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Okay? I'll tell you what. Jesus got a sense of humor. That, that just blows my mind that all he has to do is speak, look, or just touch or whatever. But he spit in some mud. And say, oh, you want healing? Well, come here, boy. Let me, let me help you out a little bit. <laughs> you know, and I could, this man would be like, what, what did, it, did, did I've heard that before. You know, <laughs> I've heard that hawk before. Well, that's not a good sound. What's he doing? And he put it in mud and rubbed it together and caked it on his eyes. <clears throat> it says his name, so, but it says, it came back seen. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind man, a blind beggar, asked each other, isn't this man the one who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. It's me. They asked him, who healed you and what happened to you? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Well, where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they, they took the man that had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and, and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, he put mud over my eyes, and, he, and, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God. He's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do so much miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. The Pharisees again questioned the man again who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who, who healed you? The man replied, I think he must have been a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could not see. So they called his parents in. Then they asked him, Is this your son who was born blind? If so, how can he see? His parents, asked, his parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. See, they didn't want to get in trouble with, with everybody else by saying, taking Jesus' side and saying, oh, he healed him. Okay, so it says, that, ask, you know, ask, ask him. So for, um, for a second time, they went to the man who was blind and told him, God should get the, and he said, God should get the glory for this. Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Um, I, I don't know whether he, he's a sinner, the man replied. But I know this, I was blind and now I see. That's all I know. 
But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you. Didn't you listen? Why do you not hear it again? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man came from. Why? Um, why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed, his, he healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has ever been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not of God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they said. And you, because they, they always said when people were born blind, there was sin in your parents' life or, or there was something wrong with you. Okay, it says, they, they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You, ha you have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, to, those who, to, to show those who think they see that are really blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and said, Are you saying that we are blind? If we are blind, you would be guilty. Jesus replied, But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Wow. I know that was a long scripture. I don't, I don't think I've ever read that much. But you've probably heard about the blind man in the, in the spittle. But you probably hadn't heard the whole story or you hadn't read much the whole story of what happened there. That you, do you see the blind spots that they had and the parents had and the Pharisees had? These, they refused to see Jesus. He was right there. How, well, how did this happen? Weren't you blind? Is it, they, they even tried to make this man not the same man. Is this somebody different? They were so blind to Jesus, they did not want to accept that God had done that. How many times have you heard somebody get healed? And they're like, well, just, that's just a, a coincidence. When God touched you, well, that was probably going to happen anyway. You know, God touched your life or God's done something in your life. And all of a sudden, you, you, you get, they, everybody starts judging what happened and they don't see it. You know, but the thing was, was these people didn't like change. He was supposed, when you're blind at birth, you're supposed to be blind at death, Right? And so there was change happening, and, and, and the, the Pharisees weren't good with change. It all had to stay the same. And that's what happens in, in many churches. Many churches don't grow because they don't want to change. And change has to happen in churches as well. You know, I think I mentioned this a long time ago, but, you know, nobody's driving around a Model T Ford. You know, nobody but, but Bill, Bill Sr. back there probably has a flip phone. You know, but the thing is, is everybody, everybody moves up. Everybody gets new cars. You get new computers. You get new iPhones. You get new houses. You get new appliances. But everything in the church got to stay the same. Somebody needs to hear that. If we want the church, we don't want to ever change nothing in the church. Yes, God's same yesterday and forever, but people change. If you're going to reach people, then you got to change to reach people. But the one thing you never change, be careful, I want you to listen to this, listen to me very well. Don't nobody here misquote me or on Facebook Live. You never compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care how much you change what it looks like, this right here stays the same. You better preach it the same and it means to stay the same. You, God can reveal new stuff, but this is the same and always will be. 
Amen? That's the problem with some churches that they try to even change that to fit what they're trying to do. You can keep this the same and still change your methods and things like that to reach people. But this has to stay the same. If not, it's built on false ground. A blind spot may be something that you refuse to see. Don't let your blind spot be Jesus. Don't let your blind spot be Jesus. When you're doing things, don't ever not see Jesus. So I want to talk about four things real quick that, that um, things that blinds us. Number one, stubborn resistance. We're blinded by denial. In, in reference to the wicked, in Job chapter 15, 25, and 26, it says, For they shake their fist at God, defying the Almighty, holding their strong shields, and they defy charge against him. Sometimes we are so stubborn. We're so stubborn. And we shake our fists at God and we deny God. And we're like, God didn't do that. God's not in that. So on and so on. And we get stubborn and we resist God and we want to deny that it ever happened. We want to deny that God's involved. And that's why many people are stubborn to, to that. You and I want to know somebody in the Bible that was stubborn and resisted? Was, was, uh, in the days of Moab, it was Pharaoh. Pharaoh resisted. Let my people go. And he said, No. And God sent plagues on that nation. And God, God, God sent, if, to me, I would have walked out. I would have said, hey, y'all could take them. After the, the flies and the gnats, or the lice, gnats or lice, flies, gnats, and lice, I'd have been like, okay, hey, take your people and get out of here, dude. Just stop this. But he resisted. He was stubborn. And Pharaoh allowed it to happen, and it was, it was a flies and the gnats. And then all of a sudden, they had infectious balls, and even balls on his feet, and infectious pussy balls that came on there. And then he had the plague of the blood, and the water was turning to blood. And then they had hail and, and lightning and thunder. And then they had locusts that just came and ate all of the stuff up. And then they had darkness that was so dark, they had to touch and feel their way around. And then they had the, the, the plague of the frogs. How nasty. You know, and then they had the, 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 the plague of the livestock where it killed all the livestock and then the death of the firstborn. They had all these plagues, that plague, trying to get him to understand that he needed it, but he had a blind spot and he was stubborn and he would not, he kept resisting, resisting God. And, 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 it, and it happened until he never really got it until the end where it finally just was undid his, all of Egypt was pretty much destroyed and it undid everything he was going through. See, we develop habits and hang-ups. There's things in your life that you don't want to release. You're stubborn and you don't want to, you don't, you're resisting. God wants to take it from you. There's little things that may not be sins, but they're things that God wants to take from you, and you're holding on to it because you like it and it feels good to you. I don't know what it is. I don't, God didn't give me any specifics to go to. God just told me to say that. There's something in your life, in people's lives, that, 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 that you're just being stubborn and you know it's not good for you and you know it's not, it's not a sin, it's just not good for you in your spiritual walk, but you don't want to give it up because you want to hang on to it. And you're resisting God. And God's like, if you just release it, what, you know what's the one scripture the man says, what's in your hand? The, 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 the God was talking to the man said, what's in your hand? So you got to say, what's in your hand? Give it, give it to God. I say, here, God, here it is, take it. We've got to pray to God and say, God, help me not to be stubborn. Help me not to resist you. Help me not to see that you're trying to work in this. So what is the answer to this stubborn resistance? It's submission. Job 22 and 21 says, submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. It's that easy. Pastor Doug, it can't be that easy. It's that easy. Submit to God and things will go better for you. Release, quit, quit resisting and quit holding on to things in your life that God's saying let go of. 
and then submit to him and hang on and hold on to him and resist the enemy. Because the Bible says, submit to God and resist the enemy, and he'll flee. Amen? Number two, arrogant entitlement, blinded by self-righteousness. You ever met somebody that felt entitled? They were entitled to have what they were supposed to get, and they, they felt like, I deserve this. You owe me. Whatever I want, I should have. Even if it's at your demise, even if, if what I want hurts you, it don't matter because I'm supposed to have it anyway. Entitlement, selfishness. James 3.16 says, For whoever, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you listen, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. When you find selfishness and entitlement, you're going to find evil and you're going to find disorder. And God is not a God of disorder. We live in a world that encourages my way. What is it, Frank Sinatra? Sings that, I did it my way. You know, my way will send me to hell. You know, that's what he should have said. But the thing is, is, is that, that, that he did it his way. But the thing is, is we got to do it God's way. But we have stuff, you know, everything says that. Have it your way. You deserve a break today. Have it your way. You know, do however you want it. We'll make it however you like it. You go to restaurants. Whatever you want, we'll do it for you. And we get out of here, and we, and we don't. It does not matter. Matter. I, I deserve, and I'm entitled to be happy. And if you're not happy, then it don't matter to me because I got to get what's mine. That's how. That's how we look at things, and and, and we we, we want to get what's mine, even if it's a detriment to somebody else. We don't think about nobody else. It's selfish. It's all about me. And even if even in our hearts, so that we know our actions are wrong, we rationalize and stay. Say, but I deserve this. It's wrong, but I deserve this. Self-centered people want from others what is due to them. They state out their territory. See, mature, mature Christians will, um, will learn that their adolescent selfish sense of entitlement hinders their ability to serve and achieve what God has for them. You've got to release that and say, God, you know what? Man, I, I'm not righteous. There's none righteous. No, not one. And I don't deserve nothing. You know what? Whatever you give me, I'm pleased with. I'm not entitled to anything. So God, just, just help me and help me understand. So what is the, the answer to that self-entitlement, that self-righteousness? It, it is the answer is humility. Ephesians 4 and 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Here's the key. Make an allowance for others' faults because of your love. That's it. Walking in humility. Not say, so you know what? I don't deserve nothing. God's blessed me. I de what I deserve is I deserve to die because of the sin in my life. The evilness that I've had in my life, the things that I've done, the way I haven't served God and after he died for me, I deserve to die. That's, that's what I deserve. Anything above that is a blessing from God. And we start looking at everything in our life as a blessing from God. Philippians 2 and 3 says, says um, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. If you see this, the way to, to not be selfish is to do and think and help others instead of yourself. The next one, here, here's, here's a, one of the biggest ones. Resentment, blinded by bitterness. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Job 5 and 2, surely resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. 
resentment, bitterness. See, are you angry about something? Has somebody hurt you? Has somebody done something to you that you feel like you can't forgive? See, this kind of encompasses all of it. I deserve justice. We can go to that one. Or we can go back to the, to the very first one. I resist letting go of that. Because what do we say? We always we, we ask ourselves all the time, that, you know, is this right? Don't I deserve to be angry? Whenever, whenever um, you know, I was going through my divorce and, 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 and you know, because of the fact that my wife cheated on me with my best friend, I, I, I would tell people, I would say, don't I deserve to be angry? Don't I deserve to go kill him? Don't he deserve death? The way he treated me when I hadn't done nothing. I, and you know what? All these good Christians in my life, none of them said, no. You don't deserve that. You deserve to forgive them. No, they don't deserve that. They deserve your forgiveness. But see, so many times we deserve, I got to be happy. Look what they've done to me. They deserve to be punished. Well, you know what? That's why the Bible says, vengeance is, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We got to let God fight our battles. We got to quit trying to fight our battles ourselves. And I was so wrong. And I was almost on my way to hell because I was going to go find him and kill him dead. I was going to kill him with my hands. But somebody, one time when I was in prayer, was praying with me and stayed with me in prayer and, and, and wouldn't let me up until I got through with God. And as Grandma said, pray down in earnest and get, get in touch with, a, with the throne of God. And, and I got there. When I got to that place with God, God told me that. He said, look, you, you, you don't deserve nothing. You have to forgive him or I won't forgive you. And at that point, I just buckled and broke. And then y'all know the story from there on how wonderful it went, and I would introduce him to you today. And he turned his life over to God because of that, 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 that time. But the thing is, is that we have all these petty little resentments in our life, these little betrayals, these little things in our life. And we, when we, we're mad and we're angry. We need vengeance. And we want to, they, they got to pay for what they did to me. Listen, I am not at all and never would disrespect your story. By saying it wasn't bad, that it didn't matter, that you're being that you're being petty, what have you. Because some of y'all have dealt with some stuff that I couldn't imagine. Abuse, reject, rape, whatever, all kind of hurt, pain, all, all kind of things, being belittled, being, being, being put in situations, being locked up and being being put away and, and being rejected. And I, can't, I can't even imagine some of that stuff. But I'm telling you, no matter what anybody did to you, they deserve your forgiveness because God forgave you. And that's hard for you to understand. Why is that so hard for you to understand? Because it's a blind spot that you refuse to see. Because you want to hang on and hold resistance in your hand and be stubborn and say, I'm going to make them pay because i got them in my hand. And God's like, you've got to let that go. Because if you don't let that go, you'll never see me. That's exactly what he says. If you want to see God, you've got to let that go. If you're carrying around anything like this, it's, it's dangerous. It's, it's radioactive material. You're, you're, you're taking around a time bomb, and that bomb is going to blow up in your face. We have to let it go. We mostly know this because we have, we, we have to choose to ignore it. So what's the answer to this bitterness and this anger and vengeance? It's, it's forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, instead be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God forgave you. You don't have to be BFFs. You don't have to hang out. You don't have to take them a Mother's Day, Father's Day present. 
You don't have to Facebook, send them a Facebook message and tell them happy birthday. But you have to forgive them. Because if not, it will be to your detriment and it's killing you spiritually. And you don't see it because it's in a blind spot that you refuse to look at. Isolation is the next one. Blinded by detachment. You see, living alone and living away from everybody is, 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 is easier. Nobody bothers me. I don't talk to nobody. I'm by myself. It's easier, but it's also emptier. It's a very lonely road. And we don't have to, we don't have, and whenever you, you stay alone, you don't have to face who you really are. You get disconnected from life. And it's based on assessment that, that, is, and that this world is unsafe. And you, you want to be alone. And you don't care about nobody. You're like, I just want to do my thing and be. No, no. God is not about you being alone. God, wanted you, God wants to, first off, God wants to be with you so you're never alone. And then also he wants you to answer to, to this loneliness is community. Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. God wants you to have community. He wants you to be part of a life group. He wants you to be part of this church. He wants you to be, be active in ministry. He wants you to, to do that. Why? So you can be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, we got to have friends that are not, are not saved so we can help them. But you got to also have healthy relationships that, that, that can hold you together and hold you up, hold you accountable, and help you with your blind spots, that will pray with you, that will spend time with you, that will love you, and that will tell you the truth. If you spend all your time with people who are not Christians, then you're never going to see what you really can be in Christ. And then the next one is just you're blinded by fear. Psalms 143 and 4. David said, I am, I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. One reason you have a blind spot is because you're terrified of what might be behind door number two. That blind spot. We're paralyzed. We, we, can't even look, we can't even look over there because we're so scared of what would happen if we, if we, if we take that chance and forgive somebody. What, what, would, what would happen if I released that to God? What would happen if I quit resisting and I gave up that little, that little thing in my life, that addiction, that pain, that resentment, that, if I gave up that, that, that thing that, that was not good for me, you know, if I just let, let it go, what, 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 would, but what fear grips us. Forget everything and run. Or fear or, or, or face everything and rise. Those are the two things. You, you got those two choices. So what are you scared of? Why are you scared of anything that God has to do with? Why are you fearing God? In a negative sense, not a, not a sense of fear as in all. You're fearing God as he's like this mean monster. He's trying to help you. So what's the answer to fear? Obviously it's faith. John 20 and 29, Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there are those who have never seen me in their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts. And they will be blessed even more. They will be blessed even more because they've never physically seen me, but they still believe in me. And that's us today. Because we ain't seen God, but we believe him. I'm sorry, I forgot to call you up again. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the biggest point of today. The biggest blind spot is believing that others have them, but you don't. We want to point out, I mean, they don't even know what's wrong. They don't even see that, that they got the attitude. They don't see that they're this way. They don't. But you know what? The whole time, we got 
issues ourselves. The whole time we're looking at everybody else and pointing out and being negative and judgmental to them instead of looking at our own issues and saying, you know what? We need to get ourselves right. So what is your blind spot? What is it that you're scared of? What is it that you're being stubborn about? What is it that you don't want to let go of? What is that bitterness and anger that, you're, that you are not, not fixing and, and trying, to, trying to forgive somebody for? What, is it so, what have they done to you so bad that's bigger than God, than God dying on a cross for you? What is it? We've got to look at our blind spots. And we've got to say, you know what? I've got to face this. I've got to deal with it. And I've got to put it behind me so I can go forward got to we got to we got to know that God is concerned about these things and we can't we can't allow us to look past everything like like Watson did and not realize what's right in front of our face we're looking at all these other things that's wrong in our life yeah but I can't pay my bills I can't do this right here I ain't got a car I ain't got this right here I ain't me and my wife and me and my husband and this right here and here and the whole time Jesus says you ain't right with me that's why fix this first fix the blind spot first and then I can work on these other things everything else will go well as the scripture said but we have to fix stuff that's right in front of our face but we're trying to fix stuff that's way out there there's a process to healing there's a process to healing you get first off you you work on this and then this and then this and then this and we got to see Jesus in everything as you walk through your daily lives, you have to say, is that there's a song, there he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. And say, God, help me face my blind spots. Find my blind spots. Open my eyes so I can see. Open my eyes so I can see. Lord, open our eyes today so we can see. Would you bow your hand, close your eyes, please? God, help us today. Help us to be able to see. Help us to be able to not be stubborn and, and let go of things that's holding us back. Addictions, sin, even those things that's not sin, that's just not good for us. Let us just release it to you. Help us, God, not to be arrogant and be entitled and be prideful and look down on other people. Help us to be walking humility. Help us, Lord, not to, not to walk in fear, but in faith. We've got to have faith, God. Help us to be able to face the things in our lives so we can look at our blind spots and fix them so we can move on. We love you, God. Would anybody here today just slip your hand up and say, you know what, I've got blind spots, Pastor Doug. I don't want to talk about them, but I have them, whether they're good or bad, whatever. And you just, just remember me that I can look at my blind spots, face them, and, and, and bring them out and, and get move past, face them and, and take, take authority over them and move past them. Anybody got blind spots? Yeah. If you ain't got your hand raised, you got blind spots. So I'll tell you that. You just don't see them. That's why you ain't got your hand raised. The one but a couple people, I'm just messing with them. But it's true. I, but I just, I just, I'm just thinking about that. But we think, no, I don't have, I don't have blind spots. Yeah. Every person in this house, including myself, has blind spots. God, help us today. 
Help us to see, most of all, help us see you. And let you be that mirror to us. And when you mirror that back, help us to see the things that we need to deal with. Put some people in our lives that maybe we can share with, that we're close enough to, to, to ask. And God, when we ask, help us not to be offended, but to be men and women. Maybe it's our leaders, maybe it's our friends, maybe it's our family. Maybe there's nobody we can talk to, but maybe it's just you, and you can reveal it to us, God. Help us, Father, today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God.